Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Blessing from God. You know, I almost, I almost felt this righteous anger in me, but it, you know, it's not like anger, like mad at people. But uh, I forgot my phone at home before worship practice, so I had to drive home, and I just saw a bunch of guys tilling up a field and hauling stuff off. And I'm telling you, it was like I wasn't even thinking about it, and out of my spirit, I almost felt like stopping and just asking these guys, like, what are you guys doing? Like, what do you mean we're doing? Like, this is Sunday. Like, this is the Lord's day. Are you guys Christian? If you're not Christians, then, you know, I understand that. But are you guys Christians? Yeah, I mean, everybody in Texas would probably say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Why aren't you in the Lord's house? Why aren't you with other believers? Like, what are you doing? You know, it's actually, uh, it's actually a sign. If you read in 1 Timothy, when, when, when Paul's giving Timothy signs of the end times, he says that there will be people that love pleasure more than they love God. And it says that they won't treat anything as sacred or holy. You know, like, like this day, this is the day that the believers celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we've went through the, the Bible many times, gathering together with other believers is not a suggestion. It's not a small little thing. It's like a major part of Christianity. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, do not forsake assembling together. So one thing that you commit to when you get saved every single time, all the time is now my life is committed. When believers are gathered together, I'm there. Are you with me? So I want to tell you, you're here this morning and I want to tell you, there's a different blessing for a Christian that obeys the word of God and a person that doesn't obey the word of God, that doesn't treat it holy, that doesn't treat it sacred, that takes, you know, the things that God says and, and flamboyantly and kind of just says, I'll do what I want to do and I won't do what I don't want to do. There's a different blessing for you because you're here this morning. Amen. You believe that? Hallelujah. I'm going to have a couple of verses. If you have your Bibles, turn over. I want you to mark three spots. I want you to mark 1 Timothy 4.8. I want you to mark 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 17. We'll have all these on the screen for you. Romans chapter 6. If you're taking any kind of notes or you're watching online today, you can write the reward of godliness. Can you say reward? reward. I think that a... You know, a couple of generations before us, they were taught the principle of godliness, of holiness, of being set apart. A lot of people grew up in church and knew we're supposed to do things and we're not supposed to do things. But then, you know, even teenagers grew up just thinking uh, that it's just a bunch of rules. They didn't understand why we're doing what we're doing because they were never taught the reward the Bible talks about. Do you know there's a reward for obeying the scriptures? There's a reward in this life. For obeying what God has told us to do. Your life, I want to tell you this. The life of a person that obeys the word of God will have a very different result from a person that doesn't. Even if they're a Christian. 
even if they've prayed that prayer. You know, as I read, I read last night, I was reading in the Dake, and I was reading through Deuteronomy 28, which we're not going to talk about today. Read, I was planning on it, but then the Lord took me in a different direction. And that whole chapter, if you read in Deuteronomy 28, it's a promise that God made to His people, and it's the word if is used so many times. If you will hearken to the voice of the Lord. If you will obey His commands. If you will keep His decrees. And so the Dake made this note, this study Bible, it said that this word is used over 1,617 times throughout the Bible. And so, it, you know, we just kind of, the word if. So the point is that God gives us these promises, but they're not just now relying upon His sovereignty. Well, God said He'll do these things, so He's going to do them no matter what. They're always with the contingency of us obeying the instructions that He gave us. Amen. What if your blessing was tied to the level of dedication that you obeyed the Word and the instruction of the Lord? What if your blessing in your life was a direct reflection of how you obey the Word of God? Are you with me? If. Say if. So the reward of godliness. This is something that, that is just amazing. I love this verse. This is what the Spirit pressed me to speak about this morning. This is 1 Timothy 4.8 in the New King James. Paul told Timothy, for bodily exercise, I'm going to read it in two translations, New King James. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable, say profitable, for all things, having promise in the life that now is and which is to come. So Paul said, godliness is profitable in all things, giving you promise in this life. Say this life. life. It was always just taught to people that, you know, if you live righteous and holy, you get to go to heaven. That's true. But Paul was actually teaching Timothy the same thing that I'm telling you right now this morning, that there is benefit. There is promises. There's a blessing that comes with godliness and obeying the word of God in this life. I want to tell you, if you'll obey the Word of God, your 2021 will look very differently than somebody that doesn't obey the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going to get different results. You'll live differently. You know, I want to tell you, you know, the young people, the core students in this room, if I could tell you anything, I want you to get this this morning. Set yourself apart and your life will look different than anybody else that runs next to you. Anybody else. The blessing, listen to me. I'm not just talking about you'll have more peace at night when you go to sleep. I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord will mark your life financially. Doors will open up for you. The Lord will set you high above any other person that's running this race beside you if you'll be a person that is consecrated and set apart to the Word of God. That's what Paul was teaching Timothy. There's actually a blessing to obeying the Word of God. You know what's funny when you read Deuteronomy 28? The same thought pattern, if you will do these things, it's contingent upon us. There's this whole list of blessing, and we've went over it many times in this church. But you know, on the flip side of that chapter, there's a list of curses. That if you don't, says the Lord, these are the things that you'll experience in this life. Your house will be cursed. Your your breadboards and finances, your storehouses will be cursed. Your children will be cursed. Everywhere that you go, everything that you do will be cursed. You know, you don't actually, you can decide which spout that you stand under by obeying the Word of God. 
Just by disobeying the word of God, you put yourself in subjection to being. You put yourself in subjection to those curses. Amen. The reason that I'm saying this, guys, is because I hear people and it's just pride. And I, can I tell you something? God hates pride. He hates pride. It says that he exalts the humble and he resists the proud. But I hear people all the time. And I'm not hating on anybody, but I hear people all the time that they're grown people. They don't have a job. They, don't, they can't take care of their family. They're grown. And they want to sit here and argue about, well, you, you say Christians have to go to church. You say Christians should tithe. You say, you know, they want to argue about all this stuff. And at some point, you almost want to step back and ask this person, brother, sister, have you ever looked at your life and asked yourself the question, like, maybe God doesn't like my actions? Like looking at where I'm at in life right now, have you ever stepped outside, took the humble position and said, maybe God doesn't like what I'm, what I'm doing. Maybe the, what the fruit that I'm seeing continually in my life is a, is a sign that God actually doesn't like what I'm doing right now. Why? Just because of my disobedience or obedience, I have chosen which spout that I'm under, the blessing or the curse. Are you with me? So what I do matters. What I do, say it, what I do, what I do matters. matters. I know that's actually an opposing message in this generation because most, you know, most people would just be taught what you do doesn't matter. It's all underneath the blood of Jesus. Jesus forgave your sins past, present, and future. People actually teach that. You know, there's a doctrine that, te that teaches that Jesus has already forgiven your sins. Your future sins. That's demonic. What, you know what that leads to? I'm telling you what I've seen, what that leads to. No repentance. What's the need to repent? Why can't I just go get another woman on the side and, and, and have an affair on my wife? He's already forgiven it. Because I believe I'm in covenant with God. He already forgave it. That's demonic thinking. That's demonic doctrine that's going to send people to hell. Are you with me? The Bible doesn't teach that at all. In fact, the Bible actually teaches many times Paul said you need to be on guard. How you live. The things that you're doing. Paul said, I'm not. He said, look, I'm not out here just shadow boxing. He says, I am running a race. I discipline myself. Paul said, I would hate. This is the reality. Can you say the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord. There's a healthy fear of God. Paul said, I would hate to run this whole race and then stand before God myself and be disqualified. Isn't that crazy? That the person who wrote two thirds of the New Testament had that that fear, that healthy fear on the inside of them that I would hate to stand before God and be disqualified. Look what Paul was doing to look what most Christians are doing. And most Christians, I mean, we're like just super, super lazy. Like, don't ever have that thought. Am I going to stand before God and he actually like what I did with my life? He actually liked my actions. He actually says, look, son, look, daughter, you, you did what I said. You love people how I told you to love people. You sacrificed, you, you know, you died to yourself. You fulfilled the ministry that I've given you on this earth. Most people don't think like that. And I, I mean, I think that the church, we should have a fear of God. Does God like what I'm doing? Are you with me? So look at uh, 1 Timothy 4, 8. Let me read it in the New Living. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits. Can you say benefits? There's benefits 
You won't have to beg for these benefits. You won't have to cry and and roll around on the ground and convince God to bless you. When you obey His Word, it will produce the blessing of the Lord in your life. Benefits. In this life. Say, in this life. And in the life to come. So nobody can read that and say, well, God's just, God's not, how many of you know God's not concerned with your well-being here? Have you ever heard that? God doesn't, you know, all these preachers, they're talking about being blessed and stuff. It's not about being blessed here. It's about preaching the gospel and getting to heaven. Well, then nobody can make that case from the scripture that he's not talking about this life and the life to come. He says, you'll be blessed. There's benefits in this life and in the life to come. Amen. So there's things that you can do that actually, Stuart, that that cause the blessing of the Lord to flow into your life. And I want to tell you guys, I want you to hear me. There's a reward for godliness. There's a reward. Our younger people in the room, there's a reward for setting yourself apart. I want the older people that are in the workforce. Listen to me. There's a reward for setting yourself apart. The people that, that are your co-workers, the people that are competing for the same accounts, the same raises, the same positions, there is a reward for you if you will set yourself apart. You're marked. Are you with me? Young people, I want you to hear that. Our youth. Because everybody will do that. I was talking to my brother-in-law. He was saying that these teenagers, you know, they were like laughing at him. Oh, you're a virgin. I can't believe you're, you just graduated high school and you're a virgin. Ha ha ha. You know, they're giggling, they're laughing, they're making fun of them. I want to tell you, don't ever let the devil shame you. You're going to tell me you've never done drugs before. Oh my God. You've never gotten drunk. You've never had sex. But look, don't let the devil shame you. Wear it like a badge and be proud. Realizing what you're doing is for purpose and it's on purpose. And in your life, I promise you, I promise you, if you'll set your life apart now, when you're 25 years old, your life will look dramatically different than any person that is saying that to you today. Any person. You know, because the Bible says, you know, promotion comes from the Lord. You don't want to be promoted by man. Why? Because if man promotes you, man can demote you. So what do you need to do? You need to live your life to please God. And when He lifts you up, nobody can take you down. Because the Bible says, if God before you, who can stand against you? Let me rephrase that. If God likes what you're doing, it doesn't matter who in Timbuktu doesn't like what you're doing. Well, my principal, he doesn't really like it does. If God likes the way that you talk, if he likes the way that you think, if he likes the way that you believe and he likes your actions, it really doesn't matter who doesn't like it. How am I going to get a job, Lord, if I, you know, they're really wanting me to do this and take these hours and and make these compromises. How am I going to make it work? If God likes you and he likes what you're doing and you stand for him, he'll stand for you. And I want to tell you, when promotion comes from the Lord, it comes from the Lord and nobody can take it away from you. But any promotion that comes from the flesh or comes from man, it's going to kill you because you have to sustain it by the flesh. You have to kill yourself, work till, you know, blood, sweat, and tears run yourself into the ground trying to make this thing happen. So work to please God. Live your life to please God. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, if I wanted to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. 
Isn't that funny? You know, the prophets, do you know that most of the prophets in the Old Testament were like stoned and murdered and rejected? That's why Jesus said, how many times did I send a messenger and and you, Jerusalem, you rejected them again and again and again. Because a true man or woman of God doesn't live to please people. Doesn't just run around, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt your feelings, say something that you don't want to hear. They speak for the Lord. And when there's a wicked generation, sometimes you're going to have to say things that people don't want to hear, but they need to hear. Because if you don't, their blood's on your hands. You can't live to please people. And I just really hate that that's what this whole thing, I don't say all of it, but a lot of like Christianity's become. Everything that we do, let's just do it to please people. Let's just do it so everybody comes in here. Everybody likes the message. Everybody has a good time. Everybody just, you know, the devil could come to church and have a fun time and leave, leave dancing out of the room. You know what I mean? You can't live to please people. So the world will make you feel stupid for not doing what it does, but there is a reward for separating yourself. Say benefits. I want to give you a few points. Number one, write this down. God requires holiness. God requires. Can you say require? You know, that's again, that's not a word a lot of people like to hear. But can I tell you, my job as a pastor is to feed the sheep, to nourish the sheep, to help grow us, to help build us, to help us leave the milk and get into bigger things. Do you know this? There's actually things that God requires of you that are not optional if you're going to be in his kingdom. I know that that's taught opposite nowadays that, man, you know, it really doesn't matter how we live. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how we talk. It doesn't matter if I show up or don't show up. It doesn't matter. Maybe I have something to do today. Maybe I don't have something to do today. Maybe I have time to seek God and pray and read my Bible. And maybe I don't. You know, I'm going to tell you, actually, God requires things from you. Amen. I heard in the bathroom, I think. God requires, so one thing that He requires is holiness. Can you say holiness? holiness? Another word for holiness is the word consecration. It means set apart. So let me rephrase this. God requires us to be set apart. What is godliness? That godliness is profitable, providing benefit in this life and in the life to come. What does it mean to be godly? It means to be like God. It means to be set apart. I don't live like the rest of the world. I don't think like the rest of the world. I don't watch what the rest of the world watches. I don't go where they go. I don't do what they do. Amen. You know, there's a reward for going into a restaurant and you see a bunch of people drinking and a bunch of people just having a good old time and you sitting down and you're not, you're not running your mouth. You're not saying stupid stuff. You're not acting like a fool. You're sitting there saying, I'm going to live every day to honor God. Every word that comes out of my mouth, I'm going to be a representation of Jesus Christ. There's actually a reward for you on this earth when you live like that. Christians are so afraid of being left out of society. Which is so dumb because Jesus said, don't you realize you don't belong to this world? Don't you realize they rejected me because they rejected me? You think that they're, gonna, they're not going to reject you? He said, is a servant greater than their master? No. 
If they rejected me, let me tell you, and you're anything like me, they're going to reject you. The world. Say the world. But the people with the Holy Ghost won't reject you. They'll love you. I don't remember who was a brother Tanner. He was saying, somebody was asking. Because a lot of people, even like, I mean, I don't know you. I only know me. That's why I can only use me as an example. But like a lot of people around here, they think, man, that guy, John, he's very, very controversial. Somebody was asking somebody, somebody else. You know, is, it John, is John just like nuts? Do people just not like John, like anywhere that he goes? And they were asking Brother Tanner, and he was like, no, honestly. He said, when we go to the river, when we go to these places, we get around like great, great men of God. They, they absolutely love Pastor John. They love him. I'm not saying that to like toot my horn, but my point is, the world will reject you, but people with the Spirit of God will love you. Amen. So don't be discouraged because the world rejects you. Embrace it. God requires holiness. Look at 1 Peter 1, 14-17. Are you guys there? 1 Peter 1, 14-17. says, so you must. Say must. Does that sound like a suggestion? Does it sound optional? Did he say you should really try your best? You should really, if you feel like it and you're, you're not all up in your feelings today, you should really just do the best you can do. Is that the language that he uses? You must, you must, you must, you must, you must live as God's obedient children. You know that we have a responsibility, guys. I'm telling you, listen to me. Each Christian has a responsibility to die to the flesh, to get power from the Holy Ghost, to stop walking around like victims and realize I have got to get a hold of this, get filled with power, get the Word of God in me, and get out of this crap that I continue to live in. It's not, I should, I must, I must do this. Live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy. Say holy in everything that you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Can I tell you that you are you are accountable to what you know? I look back and I've I've cried before the Lord. Man, there were so many things that I've done wrong in my early, early, like early ministry, early figuring this stuff out. When I got saved, I went straight to Bible college. So I didn't go to Bible college like, you know, I've been in meetings for the last, like our core kids. And when you guys graduate high school, man, you're going to be just levels ahead of where I was. I went to Bible college barely saved. So I didn't know anything. I made so many mistakes and I've looked back and I've shed tears saying, Lord, oh my gosh, Man, why did I think like that? Why did I do that? That was so stupid of me. And I really heard the Lord tell me, John, honestly, look, I'm not saying it was okay, but you really didn't know any better. And he said, this is the thing that's different. The second that you came to revelation of the truth, you, you changed. Like, I thought this was so true. I held this. Why? Because somebody told me, some pastor said at one time, that's just the way that it's always been. But the second that I was confronted with truth, everything changed. Ooh, I'll go, I'll go 50 miles in the other direction if that's the truth. Amen. So you're accountable to what you know. He said, you didn't know any better. But can I tell you, you can't live in that state. 
This isn't like, well, I guess I'm going to be a Christian. I'll never go to church. I'll never read the Word. So when I stand before God, I'll say, God, I didn't know any better. No, He'll say, you did know better. You did that. That was calculated. You did know better. Amen. You knew enough not to do that. Are you with me? You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say, you must be. Say, I must. Be holy. You must be holy because I am holy. The Lord said that. You must be holy because I'm holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. Look at that. God has no favorites. Look what it says. He will judge or reward you. Look, there's that word reward. According to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Are you with me? Isn't it interesting? People that preach that, oh, your your future sins, they're under the blood. Really? Isn't that crazy that Paul said you need to live with this realization that God is actually going to judge us and He's going to give us loss or give us reward according to, let's put it in this context, how we live. Were we holy? Did we set ourselves apart? Did we live righteously? Did we live a pure life? And let me tell you something, my friends. Everybody's not getting the same reward. And can I tell you, if that doesn't bother you and you're good with it, I don't care. I mean, like literally, you need to get saved. I'm being honest with you. If that thought, everybody doesn't get the same reward, and I know that my reward is going to be determined by what I do and my actions and how I live and how serious that I took this, and I'm okay with not getting the same reward. I'm okay with just eh, getting in. That's okay. Can I tell you, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying that that's a really, really, really scary, scary place to be. Why? Because Jesus literally said, there's no lukewarm. Either you're hot or cold. If you're somewhere in the middle, you're lukewarm. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Are you with me? We need to train Christians. I hear that word and people think that it offends me that this is too radical. Like, we're after one breed of people radical that are radical about building God's kingdom in every sense of the way. I'm not interested in hanging out with lethargic people. And in fact, I'm going to share a verse with you in a little bit that the Bible actually, did you know the Bible actually tells us to stay away from believers who live idle lives? What is an idol? That means the car's running, but it's in park and it's just sitting there, not moving, not going anywhere, just sitting there running. Well, I'm not saying that I'm not saved. Hallelujah. I love Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. But you're sitting there and you're not doing anything. The Bible doesn't say, oh, oh, that's okay. It literally says, stay away from people who live that way. Get on Google, type that, and stay away from those who live idle lives. Write the reference down. Amen. Amen. Love Google. The devil didn't create Google so we could do horrible things. It's a, it's a great resource in the kingdom. It is. So it says... Live holy. You must be holy for I'm holy. Can I tell you the Bible never tells us to do something that we can't do? That's right. 
You know that God would be unjust if He commanded us to live holy and we actually had no ability to live holy? Well, how many of you know? We're all just about, we're all going to sin every day. Have you ever heard that? I'm telling you, I'm not saying that's a horrible person, but I'm telling you that's an unlearned person. Be holy, for I am holy. We're all going to sin every day. How many of you know? No one's going to be perfect. Jesus was perfect. I'm not Jesus, really. But, but the, there's so many angles. You take that. The Bible says the same spirit that was in him is in me. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, that as Christ is, so am I in this world. God doesn't tell us to do anything that we don't have the ability to do. Because if he did... That would make him unjust to hold us to a standard that's impossible for us to meet. Are you with me? I'm going to show you. Look at Romans 6. I'm going to read a, a little chunk here. Romans 6, 1 through 14. Romans 6, 1 through 14. Well, how many of you guys know? I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You've got to stop talking like that. You've got to stop thinking like that. How many, you, you'll, never, you'll never fully be perfect on this earth. Look what the Bible says in Romans 6.1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Look, Paul answers that. Any doctrine that tries to tell you that grace is something that God... Well, I'm, I'm so thankful for God's grace. Yep, beat my wife up 13 times last year, but I'm thankful for God's grace. You know, you hear people talk like that, and they totally misunderstand what grace is. Look what Paul said grace is. God, does God give us grace? Yes. But then he answers this question. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Can I tell you that no part of this Bible ever even had this idea of a New Testament Christian continuing to live in this world and continuing to live in sin. Like that was just like a, a, a fundamental thing. When you repented, you died. I'm making the decision to die to my flesh, die to myself, and no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now I accomplish His purposes on the earth. Can I tell you, if you can't make it to church on Sunday, you're not accomplishing His purposes on the earth. I'm being honest with you. That's like a bare minimal thing. A bare minimal thing. That literally, I don't live. I don't live just to make money. I don't live just to have a job. I don't live just to, to, to survive and be alive for tomorrow. I literally live. That's the fundamental basis of Christianity. I have died to me. And now it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And Paul says, if you died to sin, how can you continue to live in it? Well, we're all going to continue to sin every day. Paul says that's impossible because if you actually came into this thing like you should have, you wouldn't even have that thought. Are you with me? So, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ in baptism? We joined with Him in His death? 
For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Whenever you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you were baptized in water, you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. That is a symbol. I have died. When I came out, I am coming out alive to live a resurrected life by the power of God. Now I can live a new life. Since we have been united with Him in this death, we will also be raised to life as He was. For we know that our old sinful selves were, say were, not, well, it's a process. Your sinful nature was, it, you were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. You know, the second that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, sin lost all power in your life. What does that mean? Christians don't actually have to sin. Do you know that? You know that we don't have to sin. Sin lost its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Brother, I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling. No, you're, I'm telling you right now, you're not struggling with sin. It lost its, you're, you're not in an arm wrestling match with sin. He lost his power. John Bevere teaches about how he said when he first started in ministry, he struggled with pornography for several years. And he said he had everybody lay hands on him. He had Dr. Cho, the great that had the largest church on planet Earth in South Korea, a man so anointed when he gets in taxi cabs, literally people that are Muslims just start weeping because of the presence of God. Somebody that's so anointed, carries the presence of God so strong. He had this man lay his hands on him and he still went back, struggled with pornography. Until one day, the Lord talked to him and said, do you know why? He's like, Lord, deliver me from this. He said, do you know why you still deal with this? He said, because you want to. And instantly, the Holy Ghost changed his heart. Where no longer, he didn't want to do it anymore. I don't want to look at that anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. And now, what took all these years and people trying to lay hands on me and get me free and break sins? No, in one second, by a revelation, he said, I never dealt with it again. We sin because we want to. We don't have to. Amen. Can we at least agree on that? Because yes. we're no longer slaves to sin. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So look at this. So you should also consider yourself dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way that you live and do not give in to your sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Look at that. Do not give in to sin. Why is he saying that? You have a choice because sin's power has been broken off of your life. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Look at this. Here's the key. Romans 8.13. So what do I need to do? You know, I just need to... And I want to tell you guys, so many people struggle because I'm going to tell you, they try to live free from sin in their flesh. 
You're trying to do something in the flesh, but the flesh can't live free from sin. The flesh wants to sin. You know the key to, getting, to walking free from sin? What's the key? The power. Say the power. Of the Holy Ghost. Romans 8. 13. For if you live by its dictates. So if you read Romans 8, it's talking about the flesh. If you live by the flesh, if you live by its dictates, look at this. You will die. Do you know that the Bible says that the wages of sin are death? We talked about the blessing and the curse. You know, so many people blame God. The Bible actually says that so many people ruin their own lives and then blame God. You know, it says that in the book of Proverbs. The wages of sin are death. The wages of prison, I'm sorry, the wages of murdering somebody is prison. Is that judge a horrible person? Did that judge, did that judge put that on me? Did that judge make it happen to me? Did that judge in his sovereignty just pluck me out of my house for no reason? I'm sitting there living a holy life and all of a sudden he puts me on trial and says, you know, you killed three people five minutes ago and you're like, no, I didn't. Well, yes, you did because I said that you did. Now you go to prison. No, the wages of that action is prison. The wages of sin is death. God's not mad at you and cursing you because he hates you. Literally by your action, you subject yourself to the curse. You subject yourself to death. Say, if I sin, I will die. If I continue to live in sin, my life will fall apart. Are you with me? So it says, if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power, say the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Every single Christian needs the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why it doesn't make sense to have these denominations. Well, you guys don't really believe that. You don't really practice that. You don't really lay hands on anybody. You don't really. Look, it, can I tell you something? It matters. We have this universalism idea that we're all going to the same place. And it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how you live. You're Christian. You know, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about Muslims. I'm talking about Christians. We're all going to go to the same place. We're all going to get the same thing. Is that what the Bible teaches at all? You will be judged according to what you do. And you can't do anything without the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't even live free from sin. And if you can't live free from sin, you will die. Are you with me? These aren't small little doctrinal, well, we like to dance in our church and you don't. So we're, no, like the Holy Ghost isn't some small doctrine. It's a major doctrine. Are you with me? It's, it's like a major pinnacle of our life on this earth. Say the power. I got to get, you got to get a fire in you where I need the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that the anointing lifts the heavy burden and the anointing breaks the yoke. I find myself many times going into a place of, of prayer, just begging God, Lord, I need the anointing. I don't, you know, this is a revelation God gave me and I know I'm going on rabbit trails, but that's okay. Just stay with me. 
Jesus told the Pharisees, you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He's preaching this to the youth. You know that you got to have both. He separated those things. Look, what I mean is this. Just preaching messages to people, it doesn't break them out of depression. It doesn't break them out of sickness and disease. Just getting up here and giving really good speeches that are great and they're in line with the Bible, that's wonderful. I do know the Word carries power, but the anointing, the power of God is what lifts the yoke of bondage. So we need the power. Say the power. I come to a point where I say, Lord, I don't want to just preach. I don't want to just say message. I don't want to just get up here and, and tell people about a book and what it says. I need the this generation needs the power of the Holy Ghost. This generation needs people that will get the power, the presence, the anointing from heaven to go out and literally we need we need signs, wonders and miracles. Ears opening, eyes opening. Hallelujah. That only happens by the power. Say, I need the power. You need to get desperate for the power of God. Well, okay. It's blessed. All right, let's get into the rewards. We got a few minutes. Let's get into the rewards for godliness. So let's go back to that verse. Paul said, I'll read it one more time. Physical training is good, but training in godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So we just covered, number one, not only is there rewards, the good things, but God actually requires us to be holy. He requires us to be free from sin. We covered that. So now let's get into it. Not only does God require it, where He just says, you should just do this because I said so. If that was it, that's enough because He's God. Amen. If God said you live holy and you live free from sin with no benefit to you whatsoever, that's enough because he's God. And I'm not going to give an account to me on judgment day. I'm going to give an account to him. Are you with me? But that's not what he said. He actually said, yes, this is a requirement, but there's benefits. There's a blessing in this life for doing what I say. People aren't taught this. That's why they think God's so distant and hard and angry. And, you know, they just have this false idea of who God is. Let's look at the rewards for godliness. I wrote four rewards I'm going to talk to you about briefly. Number one, here's a good reward. This is a really good one. I'm just going to get this one out of the way. The first reward for, for godliness is you will ensure that you won't go to hell. What's one of the benefits of living a holy life? You can guarantee yourself that you won't go to hell. Amen. Amen. That's not a small thing. True. Let me just share some scripture with you. Yeah, keep going. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. Look at this light regard that we have for sin. Look what Paul said about sin in the church. 1 Corinthians 5. Look what he said. Wow, brother, I just think you should just love. You, you know what? You're just not loving right. Look what Paul... Say Paul. Paul. Say the Bible. the Bible. You know, I think this is a big difference between most Christians. Is like the Bible supersedes what I think and what you think. Amen? Like the Bible should be the highest authority. If, it's, if the Bible says it, 
Every single one of us should be willing to change anything and everything that I believe. Because what I, if I, what I believe is contradicting to what this says, who cares what I believe? Who cares what I think? Who cares what I feel? The Bible is the Word of God. The Bible's our lamp. The Bible's our guide. And actually, Jesus said that we're going to give an account. We're going to give an account to His words. The words that He's spoken. So what does that mean? That God has given us this Word, and this is what we're going to be judged by. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord, I just really felt like loving people... I thought that this was loving. You know, that's good, good effort. But at the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to love people the way John wants to love people. I want to love people the way God talks about loving people. You know something about this? You know in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm not saying the emotion doesn't matter, but it actually gives us a breakdown. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, it gives us this whole list. You know, not one of those things have anything to do with an emotion. What is love? Action. Say action. Oh, Brother John, I know that, man, you know what? You've given us thousands of dollars and paid bills and done all this stuff. But, you know, I came to you with a sob story the other day, and I don't feel like you just listened the way I wanted you to. I don't think you love people. Really? Because love is not an emotional connection. Love is action. In God's eyes, love is action. It supersedes a feeling. It supersedes an emotional moment. It is action to help people, to bless people. To do good things for people. Yes, right. Amen? Amen? Maybe I'm saying that all the women in here are like, oh my gosh, he's a man. <laughs> but it's the Bible. You can't prove it wrong. 1 Corinthians 5, 9-13. through 13. Look what Paul said. Guys, look what he said. Look at this. Verse 9. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. He says, I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Look at this. I meant you're not supposed to associate with anyone. Say, I'm not supposed to associate. With anyone, say anyone. anyone. Say God has no favorites. God has no favorites. But brother John, they're my family. Does it, what does anyone mean? But brother John, you know they're, he's a pastor. They're, they they are minister. What is anyone? God shows no favoritism. He doesn't care. Don't associate with anyone with people. He says. Hold on. I'm sorry. I meant in verse eleven. That you're not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer. Guys, I don't think that people realize this because they're not being taught. We need to do a better job getting this into the foundations of like Christian doctrine you get saved. When you claim the name of Jesus, you have put yourself into a different category of responsibility. I would never go out to the world and tell a bunch of unsaved people, why aren't you at church? Why aren't you doing... They're unsaved. But when you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, you have put yourself into a whole other category to be held accountable, that you have agreed to certain conditions. You've entered into a covenant contract with God. I have submitted my life to obey Him and do what He said. Just because you don't like the things that you agreed to, 
It's not anybody else's problem when they got something to say about it. Are you with me? So he said, You are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, is greedy, worships idols, is abusive, is a drunkard, cheats people. Look at this. Don't even eat with such people. Oh, we need to show. How many of you know we need to show them love? If you claim the name of Jesus, we warn a few times, but that's not a game that you get to play with. That's not a, that's not, it's not a game. Amen. Isn't that crazy? Paul said, don't eat. Did Paul have a light regard for sin? Did Paul believe that message? Well, how many of you know, grace, it's under the blood, my past, future, and present. He wouldn't have said that. No, hey, hold on, brothers. These guys are believers. They may be drunkards. They may be abusive. They may be cheating people, but that's okay. They're under the blood. Where do we come up with this stupid doctrine? Where do we come up with this stuff? He said, don't even eat with people. Look what he said, it isn't, it isn't my job to judge outsiders, but it is certainly your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Is it my job to sit here and look at Joe Biden and oh my gosh, let me just tell you why he's going to hell? No, look, I, sh- I should pray for him to get saved. I don't like what he's doing, but I should pray for him to get saved. But look, say this, it is my job is. to judge those inside the church who are sinning. But nowadays you can't do that. Nowadays, oh, brother, you don't, I, you don't like what I'm doing. I'm offended, so I'm going to go somewhere where they won't do that. I'm going to go somewhere where they love. No, we do. That's the thing. We do love. We don't want people to go to hell. Are you with me? It says God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. You know, I really believe in church. That when the Bible talks about, if you read in 1 Corinthians 5 a little bit further up, we didn't read it, but it says that sin in the church is like yeast. It permeates, it starts out small, and then it spreads. This is interesting. When things are left alone, I've seen it happen. When pride goes unchecked in the church, when sin, flesh, I mean, all this stuff just goes unchecked. What does it do? It causes divisions. It causes separation. It causes people to go and just do their, you know, do their stuff. I want to tell you, me and every other minister in the world can't stand before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, why didn't you help me? He said, you must remove the evil people from among you. Say me. me. That means it's my, our responsibility. It's not our job. How, how many of you know? Well, you know what? Maybe the Lord's dealing with them. Let's just, let it, let's just leave it alone. Let's let the Lord deal with it. That's not what he said. He said you need to get a handle on this stuff because my church must be holy. And if you're not interested in holiness, you're not interested in Jesus because Jesus is holiness. He is the essence, the purity of holiness. He has no sin, no darkness in Him whatsoever. You actually can't claim that you love Jesus or that you know Jesus and love this world and love sin at the same time. Are you with me? So look over 
At first, skip over to the next chapter. Chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Look what Paul said. Don't you realize, don't you realize that those who do wrong, why is it so important? Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? But brother, I prayed. Well, what you prayed didn't mean anything to you. That's okay. Look, that's, if, that, if that's where it's at, let's come together. Let's get into the Word. Let's get us to a real point of faith where I know, I've, like Jesus. Guys, seriously, do you understand Jesus when people wanted to follow Him? Did He sell it short? Well, come on. I just want about, you know, I'm trying to get a good following. I want to get verified on Instagram. Come on. No, He literally said, count the cost. Don't start until you count the cost. What's the cost? It's going to cost you everything. You can't, you know what, Levi? You can't keep being a tax collector and be my follower. You've got to choose. I'll take you as you are, as unlearned as you are, all the mistakes that you've made in the past, but today you have a choice between life and death, and I pray to God that you choose life. Are you with me? You, there, there's a decision that has to be made. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Look at that. Don't fool yourselves. Don't start getting complacent. Don't start getting lazy. Don't start taking this lightly. Those, those who indulge in sexual sin, let me just read it like this. Those who indulge in sexual sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's the number one benefit of setting yourself apart? Young people, oh, you haven't had sex yet? Let me tell you, I'm not going to hell. That's a good benefit to start off with before we get into all the blessings that come on top of that. Amen. What did he say? We just read in Romans chapter 6, he used the word temporary. No, it was 1 Peter, temporary citizens. I'm not tied to this earth. Not tired, I'm not tied to living in this culture, thinking like everybody else wants to think. I'm telling you guys, seriously, I don't want to be an American preacher, me personally. I don't want to be that. I don't want to do this the American way. That's why I like getting around African preachers. They're different. They're just different. They don't think like us over here. You know what, too? They don't put up with stuff. In America, it's almost just like because of the watered-down culture... You just almost have to, to, to get people to the point of faith. Because in Africa, if half of the junk that goes on here, like you'd be out of the church. And if you didn't want to leave, the pastor would drag you out and shut the door and say, get out of here. I ain't worried about hurting anybody's feelings. Like, look, we've got to keep this thing holy. Amen. Amen. This is a, can you say this is a holy time? <laughs> Nothing comes above this time. Nothing. I tell you kids this all the time. You cannot put God first and finish last. But if you put God last, you will finish last. You can't put God last and finish first. And you can't put God first and finish last. Are you with me? What if I need to work? 
What if I need to do this? What if I need to do that? Take hours on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't know. This is God's, this is our time as believers. Amen. Are y'all with me? So he says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, worship idols, commit adultery. You know what adultery is? It's, it's, it's having sexual relations with somebody you're not married to or that you're, that you're married. I'm sorry, if you weren't married, it'd be fornicating. Adultery is having sexual relations with somebody else and you're married and they're married. Or if you're not married, they, be, they may be married. But one of the two people are married. Are you with me? Yeah. Or male prostitutes. Everybody's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really prostituting around. I'm okay. Or practice homosexuality. You know how many Christians that I see? Seriously, put on their Instagrams. Pride month, everybody. Rainbow flag, pride. Homosexuality. If you practice homosexuality, I don't care what prayer that you pray. The Bible says you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Do I hate you? I do not hate you. I don't even judge you because I just read that it's not my place to judge you. Only God can judge those outside the church. But I'm not going to support it. I'm not going to make you feel accepted and, and, and like this is just okay. That this is something we should embrace because the Bible's old and this is how they did things 2,000 years ago. But if Jesus was alive today, that he would be backing and supporting this. I want to tell you, don't listen to stupid people that talk like that. If you're hanging around friends or family members that want to talk like that, you better get a, get a fire in your belly and get your butt out of there. Stop hanging around people that think stupid thoughts like that, that talk about stupid things like that. They're thieves. Say thieves. Here's a good one. Look at this. Greedy. Say greedy people. Greedy people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you know statistically, and I want to say this about our church, you guys are phenomenal, but you know statistically, only 5 to 3% of Christians tithe? Think about this. Why would a Christian not tithe? I don't, there's lots of reasons. But I want to tell you, a root in all of that is greed. A root of that, I can't let this go. I, you know, why? Well, because this, maybe it's not the money that I love, but it's what I can buy with the money that I love. Whatever it is, there's a root of it that's greed. Greedy people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, I actually grew up in a place that wouldn't even take up tithes and offerings publicly because it would offend people. Well, we can't take up. Why don't we take it up from the pulpit and teach on it? Well, because last time I did that, 20% of the people left and didn't come back again because they didn't want to hear it. The church is only about money. You know what? You're breeding greedy people and they're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? Are you with me? Can I tell you a secret to life? Put God first in your finances. Seriously, like before you go to buy a car, before you go to buy a house, before you go to buy anything, put God absolutely first. And anything that you would have tried to buy with that money, God will add it unto you. Are you with me? Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and live righteously. And all these other things will be added unto you. 
Y'all with me? Say greedy people. Say drunkards. Man, we could get into this whole thing as well. And I'm going to tell you, I grew up, I went to Dallas Bible College. Everybody drank. Pastors drank, ministers drank, leaders drank. I grew up thinking, hey, that's okay, right? This is just what we do. Go have a nice Holy Ghost meeting and let's go grab a beer at Chili's afterwards and hang out. Like that's, I thought that was acceptable. But people say, well, the Bible doesn't say don't drink. It says don't get drunk. Well, the Bible says don't commit adultery. Is it okay for me to go make out with some other woman? Didn't sleep with her, right? I'm in the clear. Can I tell you something? One way to look at this. You don't fall into the Grand Canyon standing in Kansas. You know how you fall into the Grand Canyon? By getting as close as you possibly can and looking over. And then you slip right in. Keep sin far. Say far. Far. From you. Keep sin far from your house. Keep sin far from your family. Don't ride the lines of sin. Can I also show you something? Say drunkards. Let me show you something real quick. Look what it says in Proverbs 31, talking about wine. It's not for kings, O Lemuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. For if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice for, to the oppressed. Can I just say one thing? Think about what you claim by your action. If you're a drinker, look, think about what you claim. It's not for kings to drink alcohol. Are you a king? Are you a co-heir with Christ? What do you believe about yourself? That's the thing. Is that If you have this low little mindset about who you are... That you, I'm just an old sinner. Look, that's not who you are. You are actually a royal priesthood. So say, I'm a king. Say, I'm a queen. Say, it's not for me. It says it's not for kings to guzzle one. If they drink, they may forget the law and forget to give justice to the oppressed. Look at verse 6. Alcohol is for the dying. Say the dying. And for those in bitter distress. Alcohol's for who? Dying. What do you do when you're drinking? What are you claiming over yourself? You're claiming just by doing that, that I'm dying and that I'm a person that's in bitter distress. So actually, scripturally, if you're dying or you're in bitter distress, drink it up. Amen? Amen. That's not my confession. My confession is I'm living. Hallelujah. A long life on the earth. That I'm, ble- I'm not in bitter distress. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in my coming and in my going. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm not in bitter distress. So what does that mean? It's not for me. Look at this. Let them drink to forget their poverty and remember their troubles no more. So what is alcohol? It's for people in poverty. Are you, po- are you, po- are you an impoverished person? You have the curse or you have the blessing of the Lord? Are you blessed? Are you broke? Are you a slave? Are you a king? Are you a queen? Hallelujah. It's not for you. 
And then on top of it, drunkards won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what does it mean to be legally drunk? You know, you could drink like two beers depending on your body weight and be classified as legally drunk if you got pulled over. If that's the world standard, what's God's standard? If I could drink two beers or three beers and be legally, well, I'm not feeling anything, legally drunk. What's God's standard if that's the world's standard? If you're crossing the line of what could possibly be considered a drunkard, you won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? Say abusive. Abusive people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Or people that cheat people. Say cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, I didn't get to get into the other two today. Will y'all give me 15 more minutes? Let's look at number two. I got a couple more I'm going to give you. These are, these are a lot quicker. So, he said, Godliness is profitable into all things having promise in the life that is and the which the life that is to come. What's the second promise of, God, of living a godly life? Write this one down. This one's good. You will prosper. Say, I will, I will. Prosper. prosper. No matter which way you look at it in the Word of God. Let's read Psalms 1, one of my favorite verses. I'm going to read the whole thing. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, nor stand around with sinners, nor join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. Who is this talking about? Somebody who is set apart. Somebody who looks at the world. This says it's talking about sinners. It's talking about mockers. It's talking about a generation that loves pleasure more than it loves God. You don't join in with them. You're set apart. And you're not just set apart. To do nothing. You're set apart to the Word of God. You delight in the law of the Lord and you meditate on it day and night. What did the Bible say would happen? If you will set yourself apart, I'm not going to do what the rest of the world does. I'm not going to talk like them. I'm not going to think like them. I'm not going to live like them. I am set apart. I'm going to live in this Word and by this Word. The Bible promises... Verse 3, they are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves will never wither and they prosper in all. Say prosper in all. Say prosper. Say prosper. You will prosper in all that you do. So that's what Paul was saying. There is benefits. There's benefits to godliness in this life. One of those benefits is if I set myself apart and live godly by God's word, one of the benefits is I will prosper. Hallelujah. Overflowing abundance. Are you with me? Don't ever let the world look down on you for living a life that's set apart when you're young. You are going to prosper in your 20s. You're going to be in your 30s where they couldn't be in 150 years. God's going to take you higher than any other person. And look, let me tell you, so much of this you won't even have to try for. 
You won't have to like try to make it happen to make things happen for you. Just by obedience, you're going to put yourself in a different lane to be used and blessed by God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at Joshua 1, 6 through 8. Another one of my favorite verses. Be strong and courageous, verse 6, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. Say careful. To obey all. All. Say all. The instructions that Moses gave you. So again, he's not talking about a light regard to the word. He's not talking about complacent, lukewarm Christianity. He's talking about somebody who has set themselves apart, delights in the law of the Lord, meditates on it. Careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Look at this. Look at the promise. Then you will be successful. Say successful. In everything that you do. Hallelujah. A key to success is a life set apart living obediently to the Word of God. If you want to be successful, you don't have to kiss somebody's butt. You don't have to walk somebody's dog. Set yourself apart and learn to live to please God. And when He likes you and He likes what you're doing, you will receive promotion from the Lord. Are you with me? Study this book of instruction continually. Say continually. continually. How often? Always. Once a week? If I show up? No, every day. Continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then. Say only then. Only well, by faith, I'm going to prosper. You can't prosper by faith when God gave you instructions that produce a specific result. You can't bypass obedience and get the result just by your faith. Amen. Amen. Only then will you prosper and succeed in everything that you do. Hallelujah. Say, I'll prosper. One of the rewards, godliness, provides benefits on this earth and in the life to come. Say, I'll prosper. prosper. I'm not going to struggle. I'm not going to just barely scrape by. I'm not going to just live with just enough. I'm going to have exceedingly more. I'm going to have an abundance in my life. Hallelujah. Say, overflow. Overflow. Guys, I'm serious. When we don't see these things, every one of us need to come to a point where we get on our knees and ask ourselves, am I disobeying God somewhere? Lord, I feel like my life's cursed. I feel like my finances are cursed. I feel like everywhere that I go and everything that I do, it doesn't seem blessed. It seems like it's cursed all the time. Can I tell you, stop waiting for God to to do something. Seek Him and ask yourself the question, have I disobeyed Him? I can tell you simple things. For any Christian that's not in church today and they're not somewhere else, they're disobeying Him. So this doesn't apply to them. You can't get the blessing without obeying the instruction. You can't get the blessing 
without obeying the instruction. Only then, if you will do this, the Lord says. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let me go to the final point here today. Look, write this down. Here's the third. Third benefit. This is number four on the notes, but I'm going to give it to you as the third and final. Benefits in this life and in the life to come. What's one of the benefits of living a godly life? Let me show you this. You will be used greater by God. Amen. You will be used greater by God. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 20-22. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. Look at this. If you say, if I, if I keep, myself pure, keep myself pure, I will be, I will be a special utensil for honorable use. Well, how many of you know if the Lord wants to use me that way, He'll do it. Actually, God is saying the ball's in our court. How I'm used by God and to the, the level that I'm used by God isn't just determined by His sovereignty. I get to have a part to play in that. I get to decide. If I will keep myself pure, God said you will become a person that is qualified for, as an instrument for special use. You know that, like, honestly, there's a lot of people that God won't promote because it would hurt them. Wow. Yep. You know that so many people believe, I want to be taken to a multi, multi-million dollar level. You know that God, because you're not set apart, because you're not holy, you don't live your life in that way, that actually God won't take you to that place. Now, maybe man can take you. Maybe by some luck, you know, you can get yourself there. But God won't take you because it would kill you. It would destroy you. You couldn't handle a million dollars. You know how you can tell if somebody can handle a million dollars? Can they handle a thousand dollars? Can they handle two thousand dollars? Can they handle a salary and be consistent to the Lord with it? Guys, do you hear me? You determine how high you... God's, look, God's blessing is unlimited. The Bible says all of His promises are yes and amen, fulfilled in Christ. That means all 8,000 plus promises of this work. We have God's yes to all of them. He's not withholding, necessarily. Like It's not like He picks and chooses, I'll let you have this and you have this. No, we have to step into it, but we will not step into it if we are not consecrated and set apart. Are you with me? Look what he says. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Amen. Your life will be clean. Say clean. clean. Say my life must be clean for the master to use me for a good work. If my life's not clean, the master can't use me for a good work, even though he wants to, but he can't. Hallelujah. Run. This is the instruction. Look, what does it say? Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Brother, I'm just really struggling with this. We're struggling with that. Look, if you've got to take your cell phone 
out into the front yard with a 12-gauge shotgun and blow it into the to heaven, blow it to Timbuktu, then you better get serious about it. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. If, you gotta, if, you're, if, you're, if you're learning how by the power of the Holy Ghost to put to death addiction, alcohol addiction, can I tell you, stop hanging around with people that drink all the time. You're trying to get free from tobacco, free from smoking. And I don't say trying, but that's, that's where you're at. You're wanting to be free. Can I just give you a little hint? Stop hanging around a bunch of smokers all the time. I had an old guy I heard say, he passed on, but he said, if you sit in a barber shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. It's true. You know, half of people's problems are the people they hang out with. I don't know how I got where I got. I, I guarantee you, I could actually look back at your life three months and tell you exactly how you got where you got. Just by who you started hanging out with again. Just by the things that you started allowing in your life again. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. If you got to cancel Netflix, cancel Netflix. If you got to blow this phone up, blow the phone up. Get it out of your life. Pursue righteousness and holiness. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And look at this. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Say pure hearts. Pure hearts. Pure hearts. Not just anybody. Enjoy companionship with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. I'm serious, guys. The time... I'm not talking about loving people. I'm not talking about not ministering to people. I'm not talking about helping people when they're down. You don't kick somebody when they're down. But I want to tell you, you've got to stop hanging out with lethargic people. You've got to stop hanging out with people that are dead because just by affiliation, you will be dead. You know that you'll have what you're around. That's why the Bible says walk with the wise. And what? You become wise. Walk. Look, statistically, you make the median income out of your five closest friends and fellowship that you're in fellowship with so just statistically think about this you could actually change your income by making the five closest friends that you have if they were multimillionaires, statistically you'd be a multimillionaire. and i know that people say well that's just because we gravitate and that's probably true but also think about this if i'm around people that think a certain way that are taking certain actions that spend their time a certain way that I'm going to begin to adopt the way that they think, the adopt the, adopt the way they spend their money, adopt the way that they spend their time, and just by affiliation, I'll see increase in my life. Right. It's the same on the negative, though. You hang around people that aren't interested in God. They're not interested in building the kingdom. They're not interested in winning the lost. All they're interested is living their little life and claiming Jesus is the Lord, but not, not showing anything in their life that shows that they're actually interested in it. Stop hanging out with those people. Yes. Amen. 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 And that's not a command from John. That's a command from Paul in 1 Corinthians 5. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're just going to pray for a moment. I'm going to take up our tithes and offerings. Anybody, James, you don't happen to have oil on you, do you? Okay. It's all right. You have some anointing oil? Toss it up my way, please.
Hallelujah. If you have sickness, if you're willing to, if you can stand, stand up. If not, I want to pray for every single Christian in here that's battling with a symptom in their body of any kind. If that's you, no shame to it. Just lift your hand. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.